We are creating a platform for those who are curious, one that tells the story from the artist's perspective. Moments in time captured from the innovators who are reshaping dance, music, theater, and the visual arts. This is the Working Artist Project. Today is a special day because I had the opportunity to sit down with a world-renowned educator to discuss a variety of topics. Kelly Watson is truly an amazing writer, an amazing person, an amazing mother, and as far as I can tell, she's an amazing wife. Kelly started a blog called The Chill Out Teacher to address several issues that she was facing in her life from overworking, dealing with rambunctious students. Uh, dealing with the challenges of becoming a new mother. And today we tackle a lot of those subjects and more. And I think you guys are really going to dig this episode. And I hope you dig in and enjoy the ride with us. Today on the Working Artist Project, I have the one and only Kelly Watson. Hi. <laughs> so I want to get right into it, man. You're a teacher. I mean, that's like maybe like 1% of who you are as a person, but that's what we're here today. We're going to talk about your writing, your teaching, uh, being a mom, and also being a wife. And so first, I want to get right into the teaching. Like, why do you teach? big one that's like a number one interview question I said that I asked out there why do you do what you do I mean I got into it for one reason and I stayed in it for another um like you know I come from a family of educators so my grandmother <clears throat> um was a principal in a time period where things were really different I think she used to uh put her feet up in her office and like smoke cigarettes when when uh parents were in there having having parent-teacher conferences it was a different time but she was my number one inspiration, so I got into it for that. But now I just, um, I feel like if I'm going to be here and do something in this world, I want to contribute to the future. And this is my one way that I know that I'm, I'm waking up, working hard every day, doing something that's going to actually make a difference. Got you. Okay. Yeah, man. Like teachers for me, like I can remember all the great teachers, you know, and for for some of them, it was like maybe I was a dick to my teacher. So I remember them like I have a fifth grade teacher that I cursed out. You know, her name was Miss Green. It's yeah. <laughs> like I remember her not because she she was a great teacher, but because I was just a dickhead kid, you know. And, right. <laughs> and I'm sure you have to deal with that kind of thing. And then I, I had a great teacher. Uh, his uh, Perry Combs, who was the reason one of the main reasons why I'm a musician today. You know, he gave me an opportunity to attend in art school without actually being able to play an instrument really you know mm-hmm. and you know and <laughs> i was thinking about this too and then i had this other teacher in high school and he used to have this thing called funky fridays he was a history teacher 
<laughs> but it was a sham it was like the first day he was like every friday we have a great time you know funky fridays and then like friday would show up and we would just do the regular work you know <laughs> and the whole t- doing the whole time we're doing all this hard work he's just screaming out funky friday woo you know <laughs> yeah I mean, we call it sneaking the vegetables uh, okay. you you know what you want your learn, you know what you got to get done but if you can frame it in some sort of way where freaky friday or you know like party time we're gonna do like party time math and and they can feel like it's something fun to them um it's a better turnout if they feel like it's gonna be hard work they just get how you were as a creator yeah it's funny because i didn't really even think about it it's like wait we got tricked man like like just recently you know what i mean Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's the thing too is i think like some of the better teachers are are you know i hate to use the word manipulators um maybe it's more strategic is a better word mm-hmm. but there you have to be really strategic with kids because you're competing against their social world and anything that's not you know fun and having to do with friends at a certain age is just not worth their time right so if you don't make it some, something that's going to engage them or trick them or manipulate them into thinking that it's just fun and games then you can lose them after a few minutes right i i think your story is unique because most people or as far as i know most teachers teach in one school system in one state in one city in one town but you've taught in a few you've taught in detroit los angeles chicago you've taught in prague now you're in new orleans and right. that has to give you a certain amount of, uh, of, of like vision, like because you, you can compare all of those different environments and then apply that to your current environment to be a better teacher. Right. Yeah, I mean, that's really powerful, um, coupled with when I a lot, of, a lot of those experiences, I was doing grassroots charter schools. Besides when I was abroad, uh, that was a different different kind of setting international school but um everywhere else has been these grassroots schools where you start with kind of like nothing little resources um mostly a staff that has less than five years experience and working with parents and, and students who are just hoping for something bigger and better mm-hmm. so seeing that kind of setting in all these different cities was um wasn't like an education in itself right. for and it's really humbling too to think that oh I did this in in Chicago I can do it in LA or I did this in LA I can do it in New Orleans and uh uh-uh, it's not <clears throat> I mean a lot of the best practices are universal but the environments and the communities are different right so how do you spark creativity since you know we're both creatives you're a writer mm-hmm. primarily I'm a musician like how do you spark that creativity in a young student when you see it you know, I think um, I mean, part of it is getting to know your students and know what sparks them. But if you can find something that they're good at and then develop that, um, that is where the creative, at least that's what works for me with the creativity is, um, you know, with a student, for me, it's writing, it's creative writing. So that I can tap into that a lot more easier with my students than, than say, you know, scientific investigations or something like that. But if I find out that a student is super curious and they're really into astronomy, I mean, it takes me, what, 30 seconds to Google while the kids are writing their names on the paper. I mean, that's that's how quick it is these days. 
the structured system of school being told what to learn and when to learn it isn't always for everyone. Yeah. Okay. So this, this is a good point because just because of the way I went through school, like school was fun sometimes, but also I don't know if school is set up really to educate certain types of individual uh, you know effectively or it just seems like you can't put squares into circles you know what I mean it's like well maybe I, I learned this way but it's not really set up for that it's set up to take tests you know what I mean these, these tests and you just pass a test sometimes you don't actually learn anything or maybe like you're super creative and you daydream a lot and now like you're you know the, the teacher thinks you're just some idiot you know what I mean like they can't yeah. I don't know if teachers always have the tools to deal with all the different types of personalities in the classroom. Yeah, I think like if you had, you have a drummer in your class and you have a, a visual artist in your class and you have uh, a bookworm in your class, you have, you have, you just have people with different interests, but then you have different, or kids with different backgrounds. You have kids with different home lives, you have kids with um, different levels of like different reading levels, different levels of confidence. You have all these things. And yeah, I would love to be able to hit every single student and maximize their interests and their engagement. But I don't know, even after 13, 14 years, how to hit every kid's maximum interest and give them exactly what they need Mm -hmm. in, um, in the time, the time that we have. And just with, you know, the resources that we have. Right. Right. Okay. Look, that's a rabbit hole. So, (laughs) <laughs> I don't want to go oh, yeah. you know we can we can talk about this the whole time but but what I really want to talk about is your blog and mm-hmm. how that came about you know like I guess it's two years old now yeah it's two years old um I think it started I don't know I must have uh my daughter was probably six months old maybe um it started kind of with like for myself I had, you know, just had my first child, um, was recently married. I think I started about a month after I was married and realized that, wow, like if I don't change my, change my lifestyle, I'm not gonna be able to be a good mom or a good teacher or a good wife or a good friend. So I started thinking about that a lot and I'm like, Hey, you know, talking to friends, um, you know, person, like just friends of mine and then my teacher friends and they said, Hey, you should put this on paper. So I started writing it and then it became a little escape for myself each week um, and then built some followers, especially with newer teachers, because what I started to realize was, why did I wait 12 or 13 years to to do this? Mm-hmm. Um, not the blog, but to live this to live this way. Right. Um, you know, you, you in your 20s. Yeah, we're build, building our careers. We're workaholics. A lot of us, and, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that to to a certain extent. But if you're a teacher who's burnt out all the time, you can't be that effective. So that was the part that I was trying to get to get across to people is that you know you don't really have to wait to have a kid or wait to you know live in New Orleans and want to prioritize your your social life and time with your husband more. I failed to mention the name of the blog, and it's it's the Chill Out Teacher, right? Correct. Correct. I like that. (laughs) What I noticed is, like, as the blog goes on, you have a tagline. Now you have a tagline at the end of the blog, right? Yes. What is is it? It's Power to the Teacher. Power to the Teacher? Correct. (laughs) (laughs) 
that's deep, man. It's you know, I, I think it's this was the, the blog was great. I remember seeing it on Facebook. And I was like, wow, this is interesting. And so it, it kind of gives you the normal person a look into what it's like to be a teacher. And at moments, you have this one entry where you're talking about working on uh, seven days a week. You know, and, mm-hmm. and like I was like, wow. So being a teacher is like being a slave. And as a student, you you don't, you don't think about it. Like you do your homework, and you don't really think about like, hey, this teacher needs to like grade this homework. This teacher's got to come up with lesson plans and uh, mm-hmm. put tests together, and also figure out interesting ways to engage the students. It's like, when does this job actually stop? You know. So it it, yeah. it, it was interesting reading that entry, being like, wow, you had to really make some tough decisions for yourself. And can you talk about those in a little bit more detail? Uh, Yeah, I think um, in the last two years, I really, I don't really have a choice because when I get home, I'm mom. And bottom line for for any parent is that your your own child is going to come before your students, which was really hard because I lived for my students for, you know, the 12 years before that. Um, and so the decisions for having to spend time with my daughter and my husband, that's not, that's kind of a no brainer, but there are those gray areas of having your laptop out when you could be spending time and having good conversations with your family. Um, or, Hey, I could go in on the weekends, the building's open. I could go in for two hours, make my copies for the week and then have more time during the week. But as, as we know with teachers is the job is never done. So yeah, I go in for two hours and then I still t- stay two hours later to do whatever other idea we have to make the classroom more, you know, make the class more interesting this week. So the decision was the, the decision that's made is just to say no. Oh. Yeah, <laughs> you have to say no. Yeah. Um, to yourself and and honestly, it's to to your students. I mean. I would love to spend a lot of time um, giving feedback on student essays, but as the years gone on, I've you know I I pick little pieces to give feedback to give um, written feedback on for students, but other than that, I, I can't sit there for four hours in a weekend and grade essays. Yeah, for sure. I want to so, get back to so, yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I I, I want to go back and just touch on this 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 no thing. Because I feel mm-hmm. like the power to say no or just the, the willingness to say no is one of those things that uh, we all have to learn. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like saying no for, for musicians can be saying no to a gig that you don't necessarily want to do, but you're just going to do it because it's some extra money or saying no to your students or saying no to parents or saying no to your spouse. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like how how did you like what, were you just in the house? Like, OK, I got to say no to these motherfuckers tomorrow. Like, you know <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I think I don't know it was kind of like an empowerment that came that comes with saying no because it's I I see a lot of myself and some of the younger teachers that are just straight out of college that are saying yes to everything and they're 22 and they look like they're 26 or they're 22 and they look like they're 40 because they're working all day, you know, working all night going to happy hour and, you know, probably binge drinking for a bit just to like forget the day and then doing all, doing it all over again. So to me, it's like, okay, maybe if I say no, it, it will influence other people and it will be easier the next time I have to think about saying no and saying, Hey, like 
I said no a couple times ago and it worked out better for my family or better for, for me. And, you know, ultimately I got to take care of my family. Right. 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 So, you know, if I, if I see it is about me too, because I am part of the family, I'm not this person that's just only, I'm, I'm not trying to sit here and say, I do everything for, for other people, but it is really, if I'm burnt out and I'm tired, I'm, you know, pissed off at my husband and really short with the kids and, you know, not taking care of the, I'm pregnant now with, with our second kid. So not taking care of the baby. I, I can't mess with that. Right. Yeah. Oh, that's, I, I, see, this brings me to one of your, I guess your newer entries when you, you were talking about safety in the classroom mm-hmm. and this one, I was like, wow, I never thought about that as, especially as a pregnant woman. Like if something happens in the classroom where a kid is uh, being violent or seems to be upset, like your first priority is now to protect your baby, you, then the 29 other students in the room. And, and you mm-hmm. alluded to the fact that sometimes it's better not to poke the bear. Like there's a kid in class, maybe he's sleep, but he has a temper problem. Let him sleep. Yeah. I mean, I, I, that the vlog is very honest. I would hate to admit that out loud, but I, I obviously did on the internet. But there's certain things that I I might do just not to poke the bear. Um, I definitely don't like lack discipline or enforce dis- discipline because I know a kid's going to get up pissed off about something. But when it is something that having to do with violence or I know their triggers when it when you know they might put hands on another student or me or those kinds of things, yeah, I just. I just kind of let things go that um, that maybe I shouldn't just to protect the other kids. And now that I am pregnant, I am thinking about myself. But you have kids that look at they're looking at the teacher to keep them safe. Mm-hmm. And if they feel like you're not doing everything to keep them safe, that affects everything else in the classroom. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you know that's the thing that I think people that we have all these procedures for um, students with with emotional needs or students that are violent and things like that. But, you know, the teacher is really like the number one line of safety for those 29, 30 students. Right. And that, that's a lot for us. Yeah. Um, that's a lot. Yeah. It's a lot like, man, you know, you mentioned um, in one of your posts also, since we're on this safety kick that once you had to take a gun from a kid. Mm hmm. And yeah. like for me, gun violence in schools, it like I remember when I was in high school and, and all the gun thing, like Columbine, I remember Columbine mm-hmm. and all of that stuff oh, was yeah. happening. Like it was kind of a big deal then. Like that had never mm-hmm. happened before. And now mm-hmm. that level of violence in schools seems to be the norm. And so how do you protect your students or how do you make them feel safe when that type of thing is always looming in the background. I mean, I think the working in schools of poverty, like this whole time, you know, besides my first couple of years was it's a reality at home. I mean, if you're in a school community that has guns in the school every so often, that's because the, com- the community is like that. You know, this isn't, it's not just like a random, you know, I'm not talking about a random gun here. I'm talking about a school and working in schools that have, you know, guns pop up every so often. And there's gang violence in the community. And, you know, students that have uh, 
ankle bracelets and stuff like that when they're 12 and 13. But you, so you, you have this duty as an educator to make them feel safe at school. So it's like, no matter what's happening at home in the community, they should be able to come to school and feel safe. Mm -hmm. So the hard part of that is, is you're trying to make them feel safe. But as soon as they see a fight in their classroom or they hear about, you know, a sexual assault, you know, against a student, a student on student sexual assault or, or anything that, that makes them scared. It's like, damn, like, I thought school was my safe place. So, you know, the thing that I, like my, because I can't control all that um, as much as we we try to, I just try to make the classroom the safe escape and um, educate them to have a voice so that when they do get back out in the community, they can do something about all the crap happening on the streets. But that when they're there, when they're, you know, escaping in a book or, um, you know, feeling really good about themselves, about learning something that they never knew how to do before, it, it can be like a distraction in a positive way yes. to what what they have to deal with um, sometimes at home. Yeah. Yeah. Safe spaces is, is, is one of those things that for me is like a heterosexual man, like it's something that you mm-hmm. don't necessarily always think about. And, and I recently came into a situation just a life situation where I was like, oh, wait a minute. P- certain people need a safe place. Mm-hmm. And, and you just describing that just made me think, you know, uh, in certain communities, maybe there are no safe spaces. If you're not safe at home, you're not safe in your neighborhood, and then you're not safe as a kid in school, you're not safe in church. Where can you be safe? You know? Well, like- no, and that's, that's why I think, you know, drugs and alcohol come at an earlier age sometimes because you can escape, you know, they, they find that escape in, in drugs or in sex or in whatever it may be that they're, you know, they're finding a way to run away from the reality that's in front of them. Mm-hmm. Wow. This is um, teaching. Us. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I, I don't want, I don't want this conversation to get all serious like this, but no, it's okay. Like some of these things, you know, some of these things, I don't think that, that people, um, understand, I didn't understand until I was in it and not just in it as a teacher. I mean, in it, in these specific situations, like these specific scenarios where, um, you know, something in, in Compton and in, in Los Angeles and that school out there would be handled completely different maybe than it would be in Baton Rouge or in South Bend or in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, and definitely overseas, things were handled a lot differently, but, right. um, you know, it's just, yeah. So man, <laughs> like I, I would like just, just, just going now going to school. I mean, it seems like when I was a kid, it, these are things that I never thought about. I just went to school to have fun with my friends and, but, you know, my mom made me go to school and I went, really went to school to play drums. You know, it's like, okay, drums are at school. My friends are there, but I never went to school thinking today, you know, I, I never really felt danger at school, but maybe that's a mm-hmm. new reality for 2018 in certain communities, you know, and, mm-hmm. and being a person who I'm assuming who did not grow up in that community only because you're white. I'll be honest. That's why I'm assuming. No, that's, that's fine. I mean, I, I didn't, I, I grew up in, in good schools. Well, because my, uh, I came from, my parents are not educators. My, um, 
dad has like a two-year associate's degree and my mom didn't go to college but like my grandparent my grandmother and like aunts and uncles were educators and we lived in areas based on the school system right so that was how I mean that's the kind of environment I grew up in, grew up in was that education was just primary it was everything so I did not experience anything like that until actually like most teachers do they get they get a teaching job in a, in a community like that right you know, that's, that's why, you know, this is another conversation too, but, um, kind of evolving from the blog was, uh, teacher sustainability and teacher retention is we have these fantastic teachers out there that are quitting after a few years because it's so hard, Mm -hmm. um, understandably so, but also because they grew up in, you know, middle-class communities like myself or, and if, you know, lack of diversity and lack of struggle, if you will, and um, they get in these situations and then they just, they can't relate. They can't deal. And um, it just, you know, it pushes them either into the suburbs to teach in the suburbs or just in, into a different field entirely. Now, how did you circumvent that? Or how did you rise above that situation for yourself? Um, you know, it's funny. I People ask me that all the time. My family and friends that are educators I'm the only one who, um, you know, from Detroit, my, my homegirls and my family that are in urban, like urban environment schools or inner city, whatever you want to call it. They are all in, you know, affluent communities. And honestly, I was talking to my girl, um, the other day about discipline and she doesn't even, you know, she doesn't even have a behavior plan because they don't have discipline issues. Mm. So, um, you know, how did I, how did I rise above and stay with it? I guess I think many times I've thought about going to where they call it like to be easier because the, the biggest issue for me has always been um, like class culture and behavior because when you are working with students um, that don't always have that structure at home, it's hard to keep that structure in the classroom. Right. Or to call a parent, you know, and say that a kid told you to F off and they, they're they screaming at you to F off. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> all right, you know. Right. Um, but mostly, I don't even know if this is a real statistic, but I would bet you that a lot of the, the teachers in uh, schools of poverty don't stick around for that long. So you have a lot of kids um, living in, in certain communities that don't get the best education because the teachers aren't experienced enough. Right. So it's like, you know, why not stick around and like push through and stay in, stay, you know, in, in areas. And, and th- some of these schools are like fantastic. It's just harder because you, you're working, you're dealing with poverty and poverty to me, like takes over, um, can take over the best of situations for kids. All music on today's show is by the band The Session. Thanks for listening to the Working Arts Project. I want to so I want to switch gears here for a second and, and get back um, to your writing. Mm-hmm. And, and I'm curious to know how your writing has changed because look, you were writing way before the blog. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm sure of it. And so how, how how your writing has changed since becoming a mother 
and wife like you know i know michael's annoying so he had to add some (laughs) (laughs) well yeah i mean of course i uh so since you know since becoming a mom my writing has definitely evolved because i'm not thinking so much about just myself i mean now and being a wife so a lot of the things that i write about or that frustrate me have to do with things that I never had to deal with before because I really have to be done at, at four or four thirty, at least like mentally, I can't always be thinking about school and being distracted. But I mean, mostly I, I, I think taking the time to write the blog doesn't, you know, it takes a couple hours. That's not, not really the thing, but it's, it is what I'm doing in writing. It is helping me. It's therapeutic to write, which is why I've always written. But is it going to inspire someone else to take back their life, even if just for a weekend, mm-hmm. um, and to be able to maybe say no or to stand up for themselves or to realize that this superhero pressure that society has on teachers sometimes isn't real. And, um, and maybe just, you know, allow them to modify their lifestyle a little bit or inspire them to modify their lifestyle to stop taking on so much as a teacher and thinking that we have to, you know, save kids or, and if we don't stay up all night planning the coolest, most creative lesson ever that they're going to still be okay. Yeah. Um, and, and by trial and error, by having, having a, a family now, I had to figure out ways to make it work and still be, you know, be the best teacher that my kids deserve without losing myself and letting it affect my family. I like that. So basically you're trying to save the world. Man. So you out here. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I'm already saving the, <laughs> saving the kids. Right. I mean, mom of the year over here. Look. I, I was, um, yesterday or two days ago, I was like, man, if people could see me now, I, I love candy and being pregnant, I eat even more candy than ever. Um, but so Sour Patch Kids are my favorite. Oh, and man. I was eating them and I had my hand out just next to my daughter, who's uh, going to be two this week. And she's taking her little fingers and putting them in her mouth and like dipping in them in my hands that have the, the uh, you know, like the little, <laughs> little Sour Patch Oh, no. sugar sour pieces oh, no. and I'm like man and I'm just looking at her and she's so cute and I'm letting her do it and I think I was like scrolling on Instagram or something and I'm like man what a mother I am <laughs> you know if look, if people could see me now I'm a, look man I'm gonna get some some people are gonna be upset that you letting her eat sugar just so you know I'm gonna get all kind of messages about oh yeah <laughs> oh no I know that's another thing too is is the sugar thing and yeah. the all the things that I never thought, I mean, not like we feed our sugar like a lot, but the fact that the things that I do that I just never thought I would have right. as a mom. Right. Um, but I mean, you know, you do your best and you survive and Michael and I are, are doing the best that we can. He, you know, he's very devoted to his career also, right. but we found, we found a way to, to still, you know, to at least try to to do both yeah for sure um yeah i really like the, the your style of writing you know like you open mm-hmm. up especially the later blogs like you open the blogs up with like a very relatable story right and then mm-hmm. right after that 
it's like all of a sudden you're hitting them with some serious information and it's like oh wait a minute <laughs> <laughs> it's like damn i'm learning something this is crazy like how did yeah. you how did you develop that style and, and like what authors do you do you dig or journals that you check out to get to that place um you know the style for me is that um I get, you know, I get ADD with articles now. So you have everything at your fingertips. So if I read something that does not have to do with education, like some sort of career inspired article, um, if it doesn't have to do with education in the career sense or motherhood, or, you know, I grew up as a dancer or something like that of my passion, mm-hmm. I, I cannot read it. But if someone's telling some sort of anecdote that I can relate to, they, they hook me. Um, so that's that's twofold. One, <laughs> to be honest with you, being um, an ELA teacher, a language arts teacher for so long, mm-hmm. is that is like one of the number one writing strategies that I teach my kids. And so through that over and over, it's called the hook strategy, um, is when you're you're telling a narrative, when you write narratives, you use the first, you write in the first couple paragraphs, some sort of hook to engage the reader. You usually start with a quote. This is like, this is kids level here. Like you start with a quote, you start with a, um, a fact, you start with an anecdote about, a, you know, something in your personal life or whatever. And through that, and my own experiences of, of ADD while reading, I just realized that, you know, maybe this writing is for me, but if it is going to reach other people, then um, my husband's not a teacher and I want him to be able to get into it. And, <clears throat> you know, friends and family and other people out there, maybe, maybe if they're in advertising or they're in music or, you know, I don't know, veterinarians or something, <laughs> they could relate on whatever my message is that week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think you've but, accomplished uh, that 100% dude. Like, you know, it's, it's very easy to read. It's like, Oh, yeah man like i get that i get that there's a kid sleeping in class and like he might be an angry big kid you don't want to wake him up like that's easy for me to understand you know what i mean mm-hmm. so you, you do well yeah and, and it's it's not just you know in school either is this kind of stuff like one of the ones i wrote uh, more recently was i left my recent job and to work at an, a new one and mm-hmm. i had double parent teacher conferences so like just happened to be in the calendar i had them two weeks in a row at my two different schools right and i talked about how as a, a parent a, a teacher now i'm nicer as a parent oh yeah than i was before and i and like i said i don't didn't sugarcoat anything never have but it's like you know i'm just a little bit more understanding of what it's like and you could read that you know being in, in any field and understand how you treat people differently once you do have a child or or once you go, you know, go through a trauma in your life or once you get married or whatever it may be. Yeah. Yeah. It's just that, that self-reflection piece. Yeah. I, was, I actually was having a discussion with the, with my girlfriend this morning about that one. But, you know, mm-hmm. I thought it was interesting. I was like, man, wow. Like it's something you don't think about not because I'm not a parent, you know, and like, mm-hmm. and, but I do remember my mom going to parent teacher conferences and being like, you know, me being nervous and her being like you better you know and so like i can uh, see the parents in there kind of already on edge about life you know <laughs> and like and then you in your blog you mentioned that you're just like you say you're a little bit nicer and, and you're a little bit more understanding like okay this lady might have just had a bad day and it's not me that she's upset with you know mm-hmm. what I mean? 
so yeah that that was really easy to to imagine and understand like oh okay that makes sense you know mm-hmm. so yeah yeah i think that relatable piece you know like you said I, I don't really work and study other writers the way that i used to um but i do read a lot and that's that's something that i um really i don't know like celebrate with my students is just reading for pleasure and how how much we can just learn from reading a book that we're really that we're into so you know by reading as an adult i don't really read novels anymore i wish i said that i that i did i read like kids novels that i'm about to to teach my students but just reading you learn and study about good writers and that's kind of what i want to educate my students about is if we as we read we're reading for enjoyment we're reading for pleasure but we're also learning styles and like how to be creators ourselves and studying these authors inspire us to potentially use our voice if we're going to use it in writing now some people will some kids will use it in music or some kids will use it in art or you know public speaking whatever it may be but we have the power to you know, put our little piece out into the world and make change happen if we can articulate it in in a strategic and artistic way that people want to listen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. I dig Now, you say you read a lot, man. One of the blog posts said you don't read as much as you used to, but I'm not going to call you out. I'm not going to call you out. No, that's what I just said. I don't read novels anymore. (laughs) I used to be, like, Miss Queen of the Kindle when it came out. And... um. But no, I mean, I just, you know, I re- read articles a lot and mommy articles and what to do when your toddler won't sleep at night and, and all that kind of stuff, like things that I need to know. Right. But also, um, you know, there's a lot of good, you know, short length articles posted on, on social media that my friends will post that I love. I love that about Facebook and despite all the other things I don't like about it is you know, I'm learning about things that are important to my friends um, in little bite-sized pieces that I can digest while, you know, waiting for the sweet potato for my daughter to cook in the oven. Right, right, for sure. Now, this is bringing us to the portion of the interview that I call the word game. It's a real creative name, I know. Okay. <laughs> Love it. So, basically, I say words. You... Uh-huh. Tell me the first story that comes to mind when you hear the word. Okay. Love it. Go. Okay. Freedom. So the first story that comes to mind is more recent. I had a bad day at work and I, I wanted to watch this film called The Freedom Writers. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about this teacher in LA who um she did she's working in a, in a school that's like a challenge and all these teachers don't believe in these kids and then you know she turns them around and with learning about the holocaust and in writing journals and stuff like that and uh so i watched the movie and and i was just like man this is bullshit like how does how does this teacher go and and turn these kids around but with their writing she brings in like these journals and teaches them about you know how um the holocaust was um similar to um certain pieces of the civil rights movement and things that the kids could relate to out of la and the the freedom like the irony of it all for me was that you know watching this woman that 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 did this 
um, and turn these students around was that, you know, as educators, we can do, we may not be this woman, but we can do something small to, um, to change our kids. Mm-hmm. It was just, it was just like this emotional roller coaster I had about being so disappointed and frustrated with myself that, yeah, this is one story that they made a movie off this woman and <clears throat> I was trying to be inspired by it. But, you know, like we can let ourselves or I can let myself go a little bit and stop trying to compare myself to this woman in the movie and realize that that really horrible day that I had that I remember recently, um, you know, there's these little things that that are accomplishments in a way that may may not be a movie, but are something. Defiance. <clears throat> Defiance. Um, so I want to tell this story, but it's not really, it's not my own. Okay. Let's hear it. Is that okay? Yeah. Someone close to me recently had, had had an experience with like who was pulled over by the police. Okay. And um, African American on his way home from work pulled over by the police for like not turning no turn signal or something like that. This was a couple weeks ago. And he um, he got pulled over, um, had not been drinking, um, pulled out license registration, <clears throat> and for whatever reason, the cops asked him to get out of the car. And he said, no, no. He said, um, can I ask you why I need to get out of the car? And they didn't give him a reason. And he asked again and he asked again. And then finally they, they practically pulled him out of the car <clears throat> and did a search and the whole thing, um, cuffed him, threw him on the ground, um, broke his phone, you know, just like the story after story. Like, like you hear and you read about, but the defiant part of it was, you know, you, when I asked him about it, I said, Hey, like, didn't, did you really think like, did you have to question them and say, why do I have to get out of the car? Because you know that as a black man right now, what's, you know, what's going to happen, it's not going to go your way no matter what. So just by asking a question is just like, you know, shut your freaking mouth. Don't don't push it with, with what could happen to you. And he said, if I don't, you don't understand, like if I don't say something, it's never going to change. And I said, do you, do you really, and this is coming from white woman to black man, you know? So I'm very, um, like, I don't want to say naive, but like, I understand that I will never go through something like that. So I can't understand, but putting, I would, I just said something about like, you know, you'd rather put your life at risk, um, by asking why you have to get out of the car, like just got get out of the freaking car. And he's like, you don't, yeah, you, you don't get it. You'll never get it. But if I don't say something, even if they are going to beat my ass, even if, even if they are going to shoot me, even if they are going to arrest me for nothing, at least I'm questioning authority and maybe making someone in there think, um, now, you know, he could have taken even further and refused this and refused that. And just, you know, there are other ways that he could have handled it, handled it to make it even a bigger thing. But when all is said and done, you know, obviously they searched the car, didn't find anything and then sent him on his way um, with, you know, like be careful or some, some crap like that. 
but the defiant part of it was just like, man, like I, I just, you know, you don't think sometimes, especially when it's not that level of oppression and, uh, like lack of justice and, and all the, all the other words I could, I could go on about, but you don't think about how just speaking up sometimes it are people's way of, um, you know, being defiant, I guess, can be with words. It's not always with something explosive. Right. 100%. Man, <clears throat> that, 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 you know, listen, <laughs> those stories always get me and, and I know it gets all of us mm-hmm. uh, emotionally riled up because they don't have to happen. And immediately I'm thinking as a teacher, like, as a person of authority, because for me, like teachers, <laughs> my mom and teachers were the highest people. Like they were perfect. <laughs> you mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like you could never yeah. imagine your teacher doing anything but perfect shit, you know? And mm-hmm. like, how do you, how do you, how do you like teach? Because you have the kids longer than their parents in some cases. Right. Per, per day. Like, how do you teach those kids or convey the message? Like, look, you know, when it comes, not that it's your job, but maybe it is. I don't know. When it comes to dealing with police officers, you know, like mm-hmm. maybe you should do these things. Maybe you should at least think about doing these things because you won't be safe and you will probably be considered wrong just because you're brown or black or, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? It's like, and as a white woman or any person who doesn't look like them, that's how do you get that across them or do you even try? in those situations yeah i mean i think um for one thing is just under you know understanding the realities of of myself being a white woman teaching mostly you know brown and black and i have this is the first time now i'm in a school that is diverse um i think i've taught i've only taught in african-american schools um when and some hispanic in los angeles but like i, I haven't taught white kids until now um, in the United States. So I realize everything that comes out of my mouth isn't always, it, it is sometimes received as educational, but sometimes is received as like, what does this white woman have to say to me now? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> because of situations like the one I just told you, um, that happened a couple weeks ago with, you know, what if they're, you know, they were, kids are in the car with their parents when this stuff happens all the time. And so there's one thing is just like, understanding and being aware that sometimes not sometimes but like race is a part of the classroom and when you are a white teacher teaching african-american kids there are you know that's a thing that's real but in terms of what i can do the the best thing that i can focus on is teaching them how to have a voice where people will listen and that comes, you know, a lot of that is, is in the academic side of it is being able to find, um, you know, research, you know, research things that are important to you and find evidence to prove your point and, and be articulate doing it, doing so, so that you're not just going ranting and raving about something, um, that if you have some sort of mission or stance that you want to take, that there is a way to be able to, um, to be heard in the way that some of, you know, in, in history where that, that people that you would think never would have made a difference actually have. Yeah. 
Look, so man. you know, like that's that that's what that's what I try to focus on, um, because the anger is real and it's in them. And um, if, if you know, if I can find a way to teach them how to like be productive with that anger, if you will, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Um, you know, they might feel feel some freedom in that sense. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. Y'all heard it here first, man. Like, look, man, y'all getting this for free, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to check out Kelly's blog, The Chill Out Teacher, you know? <laughs> we're coming we're coming to the end here. I just, are, is there anything, you know, any, any subjects you want to touch that we didn't touch? One thing that, like, I'm really, really passionate about right now is making sure that we keep good teachers in the classroom. Mm-hmm. And that... I've had plenty of times where I wanted to quit and just, you know, leave the field. And, and still, I, I still have those moments now, but I just like, this isn't, I'm not trying to like preach and all that, but I don't know, Derek, if you want to talk about that any further, or if there's any questions you have about that, but I I think like that's the right now with all the effed ups up in the world. If we have like the, if we have good teachers in classrooms, like a lot of this stuff is it can be fixed or resolved or just improved somehow with what's going on in our, our country right now. Right. I mean, honestly, it's something I don't know anything about in, but yeah. I am an advocate for it. Like, Hey, we need the best yeah. people in the classroom that we can possibly have, but mm-hmm. maybe we need, you know, more incentives to get those people there, better pay, you know, right. or, or better benefits or something, you know, like teachers should make, I think they should make, you know, starting a hundred thousand a year. I mean, come on, you would never have a bad teacher at that salary. <laughs> you know, you know, at least I don't think you would maybe, but. Um, yeah. I mean, that, that would be the number one thing you could, you could work around the clock and not feel bad about a hundred thousand dollars, but <clears throat> that's true. Um, and you know, other countries are, spending a lot of money preparing their teachers so that once they get in the classroom, they're better prepared. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in, in Europe right now, a lot of their, the teacher certification programs, you need to have a master's to even get into the classroom. And you have, you know, it's really difficult to get in some of the programs as it would be to be, uh, to apply for, um, for law school, wow. for example. Oh, wow. And so you have, you have this like strong preparation. You think about that. Um, maybe people will, will survive longer. Hate to use the word survive, but you know, last longer in this, this world that we're in because, uh, you know, they're, they're trained better how either how to cope with things or just with content, you know, they'll, they become better math teachers and science teachers because they, they know more. I'll say this in, in take it as with a grain of salt. Like I've read some, some articles about teaching and uh, teaching in places where you look like the people that you're teaching. Mm-hmm. And so maybe in this circumstance, too, uh, if the people who are in charge of hiring teachers could figure out a way and the people who are in charge of educating educators can figure out a way to uh, bridge that gap, to teach more black, brown, Latino, like all types of people, you know, uh, to get those people in the right places. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that, because maybe it's easier for a kid to learn from a guy that looks like him or a woman that looks like him or her and to digest the information. I, I, you know, they, they just, maybe mm-hmm. there needs to be more balance. I, like growing up, I didn't have that many black male teachers. I, right now, I can only remember two mm-hmm. in all, you know, from kindergarten through 12th grade. So 
I know in the classrooms where I had black male teachers, I did my work a little. I don't know why, but I, you know, it was just one of those things like, all right, I gotta mm-hmm. be more serious. And, but if I had a white teacher, I remember terrorizing some, some, some of my white female teachers just because, just because I could just clowning, you know what I mean? Right. So, like I said, I'm no expert. You are. So I don't know. I'm just kind of. Well, yeah, no, I, I don't, you know, I, I have done some research on that. Um, and I know what I have read is that race does affect um, effectiveness. So I think, I mean, I like I, I haven't done a ton of research on it, but what I did find was that um, in the articles I read that minimally it does impact it. So if you are learning from someone of the same race as you, you minimally do better. Okay. Um, so, you know, maybe that is, maybe that's, that's your new mission, but, <laughs> but it, even if that, you know, in that kind of case, I, I don't agree that which that we should just go through school. And I don't, I know you're not saying this, um, with just learning from people who look like us, but there should be a level of diversity in the classroom, yeah. you know, t- of teachers, mm-hmm. just like there is in our country. Yes. So, you know, you, you should learning from uh, a teacher of Latino descent is going to be, you know, contribute to your education, I think, just in the same way as African-American or white and just these different perspectives, like how cool that could be um, if you had that. I grew up with all. I think until high school, maybe I had like all white teachers until high school. Right. So I never really, you know, in high school I had a, a couple, I think I had like a woman from France or something. But other than that, I, I had to wait till college to, to have a professor that actually grew up in Honduras. Yeah. So, you know, that's, um, that's definitely part of it. It is just like, you know, the country, you know, our country is our, it's, it looks different everywhere you go. I'm sure New York is a lot different than um, than other cities in terms of diversity. But sure. it is it is our country, the U.S. We yeah. gotta yeah, we start gotta. gotta start matching that in the schools. You know, yeah, we gotta do better. I ask everyone who comes on the podcast this question, and it's what are the three things you're most thankful for? Family, not just. Um, Adeline and Michael, but you know, my, my parents and grandparents and my, my friends go into my family in my world. So friends and family, um, number two, the, I'm, I'm thankful for the passion and fire within me to be able to do what I love to do every day. Um, I'm thankful that, that I, I have that, you know, <laughs> that I have that within me. Um, and then lastly, this is a tough one. Um, hmm. Uh, I'm I'm really thankful and blessed for the opportunity to travel um, in my in my past and even a little bit now to learn and you know expand um, and grow from people that are different from me. Yeah. Um, that's a true blessing to see to see the world beyond my own. I like that one. 
Mm. <laughs> I mean, I like. Dollars. I know you know as, as <laughs> I mean, as as a musician, you you know how right. that is too. But um, and just like how humbling it can be, and how you just realize how much, how little you really know about life after you travel. It's a beautiful thing. I love it. <laughs> it is. <laughs> <laughs> Pay for your travel. Yeah, right. I don't have to pay for it, so you know it's even better. But I know. Yeah, I know. It's not, not so glamorous all the time either. Right. That's true. Yo, thank you so much for coming on the show today. And uh, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So once again, the chill out teacher. What's the, what's the address? It's chillouteacher.blogspot.com. There it is, y'all. So check it out. Check it out. And uh, yeah. So thanks for coming on the Working Artist Project. Thank you. I can't thank you guys enough for listening to this podcast and going on this journey with me week after week. But before you go, I would like to ask you to do a few more things. Don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. The Working Artist Project is brought to you by Second Line Arts Collective. Find out more at secondlinearts.org. Sometimes life escapes us. Other times it fills us. But now it frightens and reveals its true purpose. Only now can I see. Only now can I feel its breath on my neck caressing me as if she had loved me. Can you hear that? Can you feel it attempting to escape? I see. I understand now more than ever that your only purpose is to extinguish. Stop. Wait. Sometimes life escapes us. Gasping, crying, laughing in disbelief. Please. Can't you see that it was all for you? I only... My hands, look at them, asking me to do what I can't, what I shouldn't, but I must. Please, God, give me the strength to do what you have. Wait. How did I get here? Stop. I love you, and God will take care of you now. Yes, God.
my hands drenched in red water. It's warm. It's wet. My once white shirt is now stained with life. Her life. Thank you.